welcome to the podcast, The Common Bridge with Richard Helpy. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors, but with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. My name is Brian Kruger, and from time to time, I'll be the moderator and host of this podcast. Welcome back. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Um, watched a lot of football and all of that. And great to have you back, uh, Rich. Last week we talked a little bit about impeachment, um, a lot about impeachment actually, but I didn't get a chance to ask you about Michael Bloomberg entering the race uh, on uh, the Democratic side. Uh, there's a lot of implications with this. You and I are kind of both fans of him, I think. Um, do you have any thoughts about Bloomberg entering and entering this late and how possible or what, what kind of chance he might have at this point? Well, Michael Bloomberg uh, is a uh, quality human being, um, a very distinguished business career, quite an innovator. Um, he's got a great news uh, media business today. Uh, of course, served as the uh, mayor of New York. Um, and, and it's an interesting um, uh, entry. Um, what, I, what I think about is that it's almost astonishing how the Democrats have gone from one poll to the other poll. And what I mean by this is that in 2016, they, they basically pre-picked a candidate and then blocked any challengers. They're kind of out there with one candidate and from you know poll to poll, wire to wire, they were going to run Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And so basically no one's in except Hillary. Then it's like, okay, that was a mistake. And I think they've overcorrected a little bit. You think? There's a lot yeah. of people on those stages. Yeah, so 2020 is an overcorrection, and now everyone is in. And, and I think that there might be some lessons from the Republicans of uh, 2016 that are being missed. Um, and that is, if you look at the voting patterns throughout the primaries, um, the people that the Republicans thought would rise to the top, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio and John Kasich, and Kasich did hang in there longer, uh, Chris mm -hmm. Christie, yeah. um, were actually all out pretty early. And it came down to uh, uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Um, Ted Cruz actually won the Iowa uh, caucuses. I remember that, yeah. Uh, Trump won in New Hampshire with only 35% of the vote. And he, and he picked up 12 of the 23 delegates. Um, early primary in South Carolina, uh, Trump only took 32.5% of the vote, but he got all 50 delegates because of those rules. Uh, Nevada, another one, he did a little better out there, uh, just under 46% of the vote, picking up 14 of the 30 uh, delegates. But then you look at places like um, Idaho, uh, Florida, um, Missouri, Arizona, and these are all states that Trump took anywhere from 28 to 46 percent of the vote, and some of those higher vote totals were later on in the primaries yeah, when yeah. so many had dropped out. Mm -hmm. um, but he claimed uh, as many as 99 delegates in Florida, so he kept building up this uh, huge lead because the uh, the field was so uh, dispersed. Nobody was gaining traction, and it kind of looks the way the Democrats um, uh, are. Uh, positioning today. Mm -hmm. um, and if you go back to, to um, 16 by May, it was Cruz and Kasich and basically a mop-up operation. 
Yeah. And Trump then started sweeping. He took 53% of the vote in Indiana and all 57 delegates. And then other states where he took, where it's winner take all, Washington, California, Montana, New Jersey, and New Mexico. Yeah. And so another candidate into the Democratic field, you have to wonder if Michael Bloomberg starts getting a base, it's got to come from someplace and somebody. Yeah. And that's, I think, an unknown. If you were a guessing man, though, where do you think it would come from? Uh, He's... There's a couple of things that's a dichotomy for the, the party in this. There's a billionaire that's going to finance his own. They've already got one of those guys in the race now. Um, but it kind of goes against a little bit of the redistribution of wealth, and it, it's, it's sort of the antichrist for the, the, the liberal side. Well, you know, well, you know uh, to be fair, too, when, when Michael Bloomberg endorsed uh, Barack Obama, uh, he said that he thought that his policies were, speaking of Obama, were, mm-hmm. were too much about wealth distribution versus wealth creation. Yeah. Um, and, but given the push from the left wing of the Democratic um, Party, we'll see if, if Bloomberg's entry does move them toward the middle at all. Um, and I know that um, eventually we're going to record a sarcasm Saturday. Mm-hmm. I know they're coming. All right. So that's a warning for everybody out there. Well, what <laughs> might you hear on sarcasm Saturday? You're afraid to ask, aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I said, OK. Passing my seat. And, I, the, uh, <laughs> and you can look this up. Uh, that the Democrats have a great investment in identity politics. And I went and found enough sources on that, so I'm confident that that you can make that claim. So, okay, what's what's Michael Bloomberg going to bring uh, to the field? So first of all, uh, in identity politics, he's old, okay? So he's in a field now with Bernie and Joe, who are right. both old as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been a mayor. And he's going to be joining um, Cory Booker and, and Pete uh, Buttigieg. Um, he's anti-gun, so somebody had to replace Beto. But there are others in there that are <laughs> anti-gun. Um, he's Jewish, so he joins Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a billionaire, so he joins uh, Tom Steyer. And he provides a new target for Elizabeth Warren. And by the way, interestingly enough, when I was looking into this, Andrew Yang is only worth like a million dollars according to Forbes. Okay. That, I mean, not even a multimillionaire. Yeah. That yeah. I was astonished. I like Andrew Yang, okay? And I think he's got a lot of good ideas. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. Um, and I love his tagline, okay? He, he, he's a, Donald Trump's worst threat because he's an Asian that can do math. <laughs> he's, <laughs> but but uh, he's not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some things that um, uh, Bloomberg uh, brings, he's also, he's a New Yorker now. Okay, and with Bill de Blasio out, there's room. And just think about that. If he wins the nomination, uh, Manhattan is going to be epic as a fun place (laughs) with those two guys going at it. Um, Won't be able to move downtown. It should be fun. And then, of course, there's the question of whether his ancestors were a slave owner or not, which he's going to contend with Joe Biden bragging about Delaware being a slave state (laughs) and uh, Kamala Harris's father advising her that her ancestors were <laughs> slave owners. So uh, when you go down the list of identity politics, uh, Michael's not changing the field at all. Uh, but again, he is a uh, uh, obviously an interesting guy who can fund a lot of his own campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about him being beholden to anybody. And let's see what he has to say on the campaign trail. Yeah, just I, I, I'm just going to ask you personally, just a vibe question. What do you think? That wouldn't be a bad candidate, though. 
It's the issue for me is where is he coming from today? Can he regain his centrist bona fides? Uh, because remember, he did become an independent. Mm-hmm. And can he actually govern um, in the middle and get us out of this polarization? That's what my ears will be on for. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's one more guy to play the polarization game, you know, anti-Trump thing, start singing that tune, you know, okay, blah, blah, blah. All right, the country's getting numb about that. Yeah. It, it, so come on in. You got a great resume, um, you know, known as a person of integrity. Just let's hear how you'd approach the presidency of the United States. Right. But if he approaches it in any way that he did with the um, being a mayor of, of New York, he put a lot of that stuff aside and just, I, I thought he was a good mayor. I mean, I thought anyway. Um, he just moved forward and got things done. I don't see him being partisan. Well, let's see if in today's climate, he's the guy that can break through. Uh, Do you think he'd care about, I mean, he's older, he's accomplished. It seems to me he would handle it like he would handle Manhattan. I'm going to be watching intently and see what he does. He's evolved uh, over the years, and let's see what he has to say, and let's see if he can get through primary season. Um, because of the contours of the Democrat Party today mm-hmm. and whether or not he can bring enough uh, votes together to get that nomination. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 with him going in, who do you think uh, pays the price out of the dozen people we had on stage? Who pays the price when he comes in? Who, who immediately has to just fall off the wayside? That's, I think that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the uh, early candidates... Uh, John Hickenlooper, in particular, it was a shame to, to lose him. Real shame. And, uh, but I, I hear uh, Senator Bennett. Um, a, a lot of what he says makes sense. He knows how to run a government. Um, he's got a track record that we can all see. Um, I think he'd run really well. Uh, but I also see him starting to cave into that pressure. Um, I heard a radio interview interview with him yesterday. He just one more polarizing guy and maybe that's just a touch point he has to do to get through the primaries yeah um back in episode two you and i were, were talking you said something that was fascinating and, and i don't think you meant this in a derogatory way at all but you said that the the, the, the democrats need to fall in love with their candidate um more than the re- republicans do they have to really care and embrace the guy and or, or woman and, and move forward does that happen with uh bloomberg is he a lovable guy for the for the democrats you know you know that again that's a great question and uh you know, I, I, I just hesitate to speculate on what could happen, um, that he, again, is a, an interesting candidate um, at this time of his life. Why does he want to do that? Uh, you know, why does he want to seek this office? And why is he going to be different? And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. I, again, always appreciate your time. And, folks, if you want to go out there and look at richardhelpy.com, learn a little bit more about um, what we're trying to do here with the Common Bridge. Uh, and we really thank – there's been a lot of you that have signed up to, um, to the website, and we'll start getting some newsletter stuff out to you after the new year. And um, we really appreciate everybody climbing on board. This has been way more successful earlier than we thought. So uh, we're excited, and, and thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast, recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.